Hi, I'm Jason Scores, and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. So we're going on a year since the right-wing theocrats, extremists, and liars on the Supreme Court overturned the Roe versus Wade decision and ended the constitutional national right to an abortion in the United States. And the reason, again, that the theocrat part is easy because this was, you know, this is because they're religious extremists. The extremist part is easy because, you know, taking away abortion rights in the 21st century were, you know, pretty much the only advanced country in the world in which large segments of our population are barred from controlling their own body. But also liar because multiple of the justices, particularly Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett said Roe was settled, it was precedent, and it was done. And then less than, you know, a couple years later, they overturned it. And they didn't just overturn it. The, 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 the opinion that Alito authored that they signed on to said that it was egregiously wrong. So it, when they were in the hearings, they said it's settled, it's done. And then they signed on to an opinion that said it was egregiously wrong. So they were clearly lying. And so, you know, not a good look for uh, the highest court in the land, but that's what we're expecting from this plutocratic, corrupt institution. And I don't really want to talk about the court too much today um, because the court is rotten to the core, at least the six right-wingers, the three um, democratically appointed more liberal justices are well in the mainstream of jurisprudence. They're in the mainstream of American opinion, and it's the right-wingers who are just fucking bonkers. But again, the court is the court. I don't know if I'll ever live to see a sane Supreme Court. As it gets more extreme, hopefully Democrats will gain the gumption and the will to either add justices or to curtail their power. By the way, that's something that people don't understand. The Congress and the executive branch can curtail the Supreme Court's power. They can say, here's certain things you guys just can't you know, decide on. We're going to take that out of your purview. It's very, you know, it's a pretty extreme move in the sense of telling the Supreme Court, you can't even touch this. But I think we're in that territory where they're just so making shit up and pulling shit out of their asses that we should be doing pretty dramatic things. I think we should be adding justices to make up for the ones McConnell stole. We should be putting term limits. Remember, Jimmy Carter was a president in the 70s, got zero Supreme Court picks. Trump got three. So Carter, zero. Trump, three in four years. Obama in eight years, two. Bush in eight years, two. Trump in four years, three. So the most corrupt, illegitimate, sociopathic, traitorous, insurrection president got three picks in four years, which is, I think, perhaps a record. So just think about the injustice of that. So anyway, there's a lot of things the Democrats can do to reform the court, but that's a long-term project. And that's, again, not what I want to talk about. Maybe that's a future episode. 
What I want to talk about today is what the post-Dobbs environment has revealed about the supposed pro-life movement. And I say supposed because as you're going to see and I will outline, it's not a pro-life movement. Um, It's an anti-woman movement. It's an anti-abortion movement, but it is not a pro-life movement. And so before getting into this, I want to reiterate something I've said on other occasions on this podcast, which is that there are serious moral issues with abortion. I do not take the issue lightly. There are some in the Democratic Party and on the left who kind of say, hey, it's nothing. We should be completely, you know, unashamed, unabashed, pro-abortion anytime, anywhere. Again, that's not the mainstream position of the Democrats or the left, but there are people in my coalition who believe that. And I do not believe that. I believe that there is a continuum of life and that as a unborn, preborn, developing fetus embryo becomes sentient and can feel pain and have consciousness, then serious moral questions arise. Because again, my entire worldview, my entire value system can be summed up in reducing suffering for all living beings. And that is why, by the way, I am big on, you know, on rights for non-humans. Because cows, pigs, chickens, gorillas, lions, whales, dolphins feel pain, have sentience, feel joy, sadness, loneliness. And so reducing their suffering matters too. But to the extent that a developing human being in a woman's womb is at a point where it can feel pain and suffer, it is, a, it is something that needs to be taken seriously. So I do not agree with people who say until it's, you know, the, the, the fetus is out of the woman, it has no rights. Again, it's a continuum. And this continuum makes things difficult because there's no bright line, right? There's no exact dividing line to say, you know, on this date, it becomes sentient and can feel pain. And so it has, you know, a panoply of rights. And the day before, it had no rights. What there is, is there's kind of two extremes of the end of the spectrum. A one-day-old zygote that has just been fertilized obviously has no consciousness and no awareness. It is literally microscopic. So that is clearly on the side of destroying that is not, you know, increasing suffering. On the other end of the spectrum, a baby that is one day before being birthed is clearly a full baby and has just as much rights as a baby that's going to be born the next day. So at those extremes, it's very clear. The morality is clear. You cannot do whatever you want to a fetus that's, you know, one day from birth. Whereas I think one that has just been conceived and is one day old has no moral standing because it's, again, it's a microscopic speck that doesn't even have any of the basic resemblance or consciousness of a living being. Where it gets tricky is, what's again, where does it cross over from no consciousness, no pain, no rights to rights? Is it at 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 15 weeks, 20 weeks? We have some sense. The science can tell us when the brain waves start, when there's a nervous system. And my understanding, I'm not an expert on this, but it's in the kind of 15 to 20 week period. So a couple things that come out of this is that clearly most abortions, which are done in that first trimester, 
you know, in the kind of six to 12 weeks are on the one side of the spectrum where you're not increasing suffering by destroying that developing life. It is not, does not feel pain. It does not have consciousness. It does not have memory. And so even though it is a developing human being, it is not one that I think should be afforded any rights. Um, and one thing I'll say here is that some people on the pro-life, and I'm going to use the pro-life movement. That's their terminology. That's how they've been categorized, even though, I, again, I said supposed pro-life movement. I'm just going to call, refer to them as what they want to be called, pro-life movement. Um, they say, you know, it's all the same. From the day of conception to, you know, having a two-year-old baby, it's all the same. It's an, un, you know, it's an unborn human, has the full rights of a born human. And I just want to say, bullshit. Nobody fucking believes that in reality. And here's how I know that. If you told somebody, okay, I have a one-day-old fertilized egg, and here, go look in the microscope and look at the fertilized egg, and I have a one-year-old baby over here walking around, which one will you think, if we have to kill one of them, which one should go? Nobody is going to say flip a fucking coin. Everybody, and if they did, we would all think they were sociopaths and should be locked up in an insane asylum. If you think killing a one-day-year-old or destroying a one-day-year-old you know, um, embryo is the same as killing a one-year-old baby, you're a psychotic. You're a lunatic. So nobody actually believes that. Again, where it gets tricky, though, and where I admit the morality becomes tricky is in that gray zone. 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 15 weeks. Okay, so getting that out of the way, I agree that that developing humans before they are born can can and should have rights when they can suffer because my entire value system is about reducing suffering. And I think, by the way, that just about everybody's value system should be about reducing suffering. Suffering is the only thing that we can really talk about as real in this world. We have living beings that are conscious, that can suffer pain and misery. That is what should be avoided and minimized, right? There is no afterlife. There's no heaven and hell. There's none of that. What there is is conscious beings who can suffer on planet Earth. And that's what we should be worried about. So where I'm going with this next is getting that out of the way, that I acknowledge the moral quandaries that abortion presents is that I'm an economist, and how does this relate to the abortion issue? You might think it has nothing to do with it, and in, in, in a large ways it does not. But in economics, there's a thing called revealed preferences, which is that people talk a lot, but where you can really tell people's values is by what they do, how they spend their time, who they vote for, what issues they prioritize, what they spend their money on reveals their true preferences. So if you want to know someone's true values, you look at their actions, not their words. And that, I think, is very illuminating. And that is the lens I'm going to take to the supposed pro-life movement. Okay? So anyone who is truly pro-life and wants to minimize abortions or even eliminate them to zero 
First thing is, they should be absolutely pro-birth control. It is completely inconsistent to say, I think abortion is murder, but I want to put roadblocks in the way of birth control. Right? If abortion is murder, if abortion is killing a human, you want to do everything you can to prevent people from getting unwanted pregnancies. It just one flows from the other. So, if we were if we were to try to take a consistent view of the pro-life movement, we would go out and look and say, are they doing everything they can to promote birth control? And the answer is no. In fact, many parts of the country, they are blocking birth control and saying birth control is wrong and immoral. They are blocking sex education classes for teenagers where they learn about birth control and get access to birth control. So again, first revealed preference. If you want to reduce abortions, the best way is birth control. The best, period. So if you're not if you are opposed to birth control, you cannot be pro-life. It is inconsistent. One flows from the other. Next up, if you really think abortion is horrible, you would absolutely even if you can't eliminate it, you would want to make them go as early in pregnancy as possible because again on that continuum you're talking about you know developing humans that don't have brain waves that don't have sentience that don't have consciousness so you would be trying to promote both birth control and then very early detection and abortions very early in the process and again a lot of this would probably be through abortion pills and early pregnancy testing and screening does the pro-life movement support this? No, they do not. No, they do not. And we'll get to the abortion pill ruling in a second. So, the reality is here is that on the most basic things, birth control and making sure that any abortions that do happen come as early as possible, the pro-life, quote, movement is opposed to both of those. So, this tells me right up front that it's not really about abortion that there is a uh, an, a, a kind of a subsidiary rationale here and if you look at trying to take birth control away from women if you look at saying take away sex education classes right you start seeing the real pattern underlying the pro-life movement which is female disempowerment that women are only meant to have children that's their primary function. They should not learn about sex. They should not have sex for enjoyment and for their own recreation and hence birth control, but that it is about women in a biblical sense as kind of caregivers and, you know, be fruitful and multiply. So this is a theocratic worldview based on male dominance and female disempowerment. So as I wrap up this section here, just want to again repeat that I don't care that pro-life people keep yelling that they're pro-life and they care about humans. I want to see what they do. And in terms of reducing abortions and making sure women don't have unintended pregnancy, they're doing the opposite. And that tells me really almost all I need to know about their true intentions because talk is cheap. And again, your actions reveal who you truly are. 
but it gets much, much worse. And I'm going to outline all the ways in which the supposed pro-life movement actually is on the opposite side of life right after the break. Okay, so let's go more through the kind of litany of contradictions in the pro-life movement. First up, just on a kind of a legal notion, which is important to get out of the way, they said that overturning Roe was about bringing the decision back to the states, kind of true democracy at the state level. Let the people decide, right? So at the states that, you know, people will decide if they want to allow abortion in their states. So the first thing is, that was a lie. How do we know it's a lie? They have already brought a national case to ban the abortion pill. Okay, Ban it nationally, not at the state level, but nationally for blue states and red states. So again, saying we want to overturn Roe, said all these decisions can be made at the state level, was a lie. Because they are doing the opposite. And again, it comes back also to my other point. The abortion pill is one of the, the ways that a woman finds out she's pregnant. Maybe, you know, she misses her period a couple weeks. So the, the you know, the, the fetus is maybe five, six, seven weeks old in a very early stage, doesn't resemble a human, has no brain waves, no heartbeat, you know, nothing, no pain, no nervous system. And the abortion pill is an easy way for that, that woman to have that abortion and, and, and end her pregnancy. And they're trying to block that. Okay. They're trying to, well, not trying, they have enacted laws that say that minors can't travel to a state to get an abortion without parental consent. And you might say, well, the parents should know. Well, what if the parent raped them? What if the parent is a crazy theocrat who wants to force their 14-year-old kid to have a baby and they don't want to have it? All right. So you get travel bans, right? Then, of course, you got Lindsey Graham, you know, the you know Republican establishment who proposed a 15-week national abortion ban, literally within a couple months after the Dobbs ruling, which again, we were supposed to have state rights, states' rights, and they proposed a national ban. So again, they lied. They want to ban abortion for everybody. So that's the first thing. They are also liars. And it's clear they're liars because again, their actions are clear. Now, what's more even more infuriating is that many of the red states that have banned abortion are gerrymandered to the hilt, so they are undemocratic, and they are going out of their ways in those states to make it very hard for citizens to do ballot initiatives to change the law. So the irony is we wanted to bring it back to the state level, but we're going to rig the state elections and make it so that the people can't en enact ballot initiatives to protect their rights. So again, it's a scam. The reality is abortion rights are widely popular in the United States, 60 to 70%, even in red states. 
So if we're going to allow democracy to determine this, even at the state level, people will have abortion rights basically everywhere. And the pro-life movement does not care about democracy. It wants to take away abortion rights regardless. So again, the whole democracy states rights was bullshit. But more importantly, and this is kind of where I want to end this on, is if you are really pro-life, and again, I, I, you know, I'm obviously being very critical of this movement, but if there are individuals within this movement who really like to them, it's like sanctity of human life is so important and, you know, children and babies, so important. Like, I, you know, if that's your values, great. But what would you need to convince me that you really believe that? What you would need to do is you would need to be very pro-family policy, pro-family society. What would what does that look like? Right? So I'm going to make it so that women cannot have an abortion. A 13-year-old child who gets pregnant by accident is forced to have that baby. What type of policy should be put in place to support that 13-year-old or even the 30-year-old? So it should be very strong national health care or state-based health care. It should be very good you know, early childhood nutrition programs and women's prenatal programs. We should have great maternal health and we should have incredibly strong child care policies. Okay? So again, if you are pro-life and you're forcing people to have babies against their will, you should at least, at minimum, put in place a suite of policies that make it easier for them to raise those children in healthy, loving environments. So do the pro-life people support these policies? Do the states that have enacted the strongest abortion bans have these policies in place? Because that would be interesting, right? If Alabama banned abortion but said, we have great child care, we have great maternal health outcomes, we have great, um, we have an earned income tax credit. So for every extra kid, you, you get an extra $1,000 a year to help you pay for your kid's clothing. That would be interesting. And I, as a reality-based person, would say, even though I support abortion rights, I would say, you know what? I give them credit for being consistent and creating a pro-child, pro-family environment to support people who are they, for, they are forcing to have babies. And also to support the people who are not forcing that babies, who are doing it freely, but just to support families more broadly, because it's a, supposed to be pro-life, pro-family. So what is the reality? The reality is the exact fucking opposite. Maternal mortality rates are off the charts in America relative to the rest of the developed world, and they're the worst in the red states. The red states have the worst social safety nets. They have the worst health care. They do not have extra earned income tax credits for children. And ironically, in the rescue plan, Biden administration gave billions of dollars to states for COVID relief. And many of those states didn't are using it for tax cuts for corporations and rich people. So there's plenty of money there. They could have used it to give it to poor people or, or people with children. And they said no. Let's take it one step further. What about guns? Guns are the leading cause of death for children in the United States. Think about that. The number one cause of death 
for children in the United States is guns, more than car accidents. We are the only advanced country in the world where children die from guns as the number one cause. And what is the pro-life movement doing on guns? Right? Again, the pro-life movement is hardcore Republican. And so what is the Republican Party in these states, the red states, doing? They are weakening gun laws. They are making it so that you can conceal weapons without a permit. They are doing everything they can to flood the zone with guns, more and more guns. In Missouri, the state legislature, because of book bans, they don't want to get into all these legal issues with their book bans, their anti-gay book bans, are trying to shut down the entire library system. I am not joking. Whether they'll end up doing it, but in their proposed budget, they are to shutting down the public library system. Nothing says pro-family, pro-child, like shutting down public libraries. So again, health care, child care, guns, libraries. The pro-life movement and the Republicans who represent them are doing the opposite of creating a pro-family environment. So again, revealed preferences. They are full of shit. They are fucking hypocrites and liars. As a movement, I'm not saying there are individuals in the movement who want both. But the reality is the overlap between the pro-life movement and the Republican Party is close to one-to-one. And the Republican Party, and I do not see pro-lifers. I read, I listen to some conservative media. I read some conservative commentators. And they're even pointing it out. They're saying, hey, we have to create a culture of life. We really, you know, now that abortion is legal, we've got to create a culture of life. Show people that it wasn't just about controlling women. I don't see it. If I see it, I'll report back. If I see red states going down this path, I will happily report back. And the gun stuff really gets me fucking mad. Because kids are being gunned down and you pro-life motherfuckers are fucking weakening gun laws. Like, fuck you. I see you. I see through you. Right? Don't come with that bullshit. So you can call yourself pro-life, but I'm going to call it supposed pro-life because it's bullshit. It's just bullshit. All right. After the break, I'll come back with the antidote. Okay, so the antidote for today is going to be relatively short here, but it's if you encounter people in the pro-life movement, call them out. Call them out for this inconsistency. Because, you know, for better or worse, we're in an environment now where abortion is up to states and it's not a constitutional right anymore. Maybe we'll get it back at some point. But right now, you know, these people in these red states or these people pushing these policies Tell them, okay, if you care about kids, you, you made your point on abortion, where's the you know women's health care? Where's the child care? 
Where's the anti-gun stuff? Show me. Call them out. Say, you you want me to take you seriously as pro-life? Then do it. Be consistent. Right? And look, abortion is not a trivial issue. But for those of us who are pro-choice, I think we should stand proudly for women's rights along with pro-family family and child policies. Right? We are on the right side. I want both. I want women to have autonomy. And then women and, and families who want to have children, I want to support them. And we are on the right side. Large majorities of Americans agree with us, right? And the pro-life movement are frauds, okay? It's about female disempowerment and a theocratic worldview. And how do we know this? Because of what they've done in the years since abortion has been, uh, the Roe versus Wade has been overturned and abortion is now illegal in much of the United States. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and now Amazon Music. And with that, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Take care. Be safe.